0: This morning, we finished the short series called Rethinking the Church. In it, I've been encouraging you to consider what it means for us to be church, where we each fit in the church, how we support each other in church. And so today I want to look at what it looks like when church works well. The reading we heard just a little while ago is one that I'm sure most of you will be familiar with. And I'm sure that you've heard this teaching read often, perhaps read it for yourself often and heard quite a few sermons on it too. The goats and the sheep. We all read this or listen to it and hope, I guess, that we are the sheep in the story. This short passage is a direct teaching by Jesus on what he expects of those who know him and choose to follow him. It is a teaching on what we should expect of ourselves. And in it, he establishes a way of thinking and behaving with regards to those in the world in need, and also a way of thinking and behaving for us. And I think this passage is important for us as we rethink the church because it points to something very important for church, and that is how we engage in practical, life-changing ways with the world with the good news of Jesus. The Western way of life in the 21st century is, it seems, often a selfish one. Some of the responses of a noticeable minority of people during this lockdown period demonstrate just how this is the case. And I've noticed that almost all of the news coverage on the TV, the radio, the internet, and in the papers is focused on us, on Britain, And I get that this is important and people want to know what's happening here but we seem to get very little information about what is happening in the rest of the world. We are not, I don't think, really very aware at all of how this pandemic is impacting on the poorest and most vulnerable people in the world. Just a couple of days ago when I looked at the front page of the world section on the BBC website its focus was on how we would travel and go on holiday again when the lockdown is over. Although the effect of this global virus is having an impact on every one of us, most of us don't have to look far to find somebody who is having a more difficult time of it. Somebody who could do with a little kingdom intervention in their lives. This teaching of Jesus on helping the less fortunate than us falls into what can be called kingdom teaching. That is, it teaches principles of the kingdom, principles of living the kingdom way. And as such, it should be one of the key passages of the Bible that we know and understand because we should really all have kingdom ambitions. What Jesus is teaching here is how we live the kingdom way while we are still here living in the world. He wants us to understand what kingdom people look like. Now I guess that it's possible to read this passage and perhaps others that speak about the kingdom and get the idea that Jesus is setting out a salvation by works system. That is, that if we want to get into the kingdom, then we need to do these things. We need to work hard and then we get the reward. But that would be to misread and totally misunderstand what Jesus actually says and how he says it. So let's take a look together at a few key parts of this passage. First, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left." I think the important thing here is the word when, not if but when. Jesus is speaking of a time which will come and when it does come there will be people separated to the right and others to the left. And Jesus speaks here with divine knowledge and authority about the future, knowing that despite everything that God is going to do and offer to all people, there will be some who won't have been living authentic kingdom lives. Next, Jesus sets out the details of how each person will be measured as being, shall we say, kingdom worthy. What matters is not how many times they've prayed or how many sacrifices they've made, or how much they gave in offering. In fact, what matters is quite simple. How did they treat and serve others? How do they respond to the needs of others around them? So here is an important question for us today. If being received into the kingdom of God is dependent upon how I treated people on earth, How do I think I'm doing? Perhaps we can all think of occasions when we believe that we've done well with this, but it's important to remember this word, whatever. Whatever, in 2009, this word was voted as the most irritating in the English language. At the time, it was associated with Lauren, a character from the TV series, Little Britain. And the word has come to be used as a way of dismissing something someone else has said in an offhand way. But Jesus says whatever in this passage from the Bible, and we really must be careful not to simply dismiss the importance of it here. Jesus says whatever, and it implies that the helping of people in need is an ongoing activity, not just a one-off or occasional thing, but an ongoing attitude and activity of life. Whatever you did. Jesus says whatever twice in this passage. And the second time he says it, perhaps we better grasp the importance of it. Whatever you didn't do. This is where we see the true importance of what Jesus is saying. Whatever we don't do. How many whatevers have there been, I wonder? Jesus' warning is straightforward and serious and we would all do well to heed it. Let's just go back to where I started this morning and consider what I said about not misreading this passage. This is not a scripture intended to get us working our way into the kingdom. Jesus isn't saying go and do good things and you can earn your way there. And I think the key to understanding this is found in the reaction of those who hear him say to them, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Do you notice that they are surprised at what he says? When, they ask, when did we do this? And the point is that they hadn't been doing these things knowing or hoping that they might do enough to get in. They were doing them because that's just what needed to be done. Quite simply, this activity, this engagement with the needs of the least of these, is not an optional extra to get bonus points. It's a natural and essential part of what it is to be living Spirit-filled and Spirit-driven life. This engagement with the needy is the outworking of the Spirit. I think we could say that these individuals are receiving a welcome into the kingdom because they've been living the kingdom here on earth. For the others, what we understand here is what sometimes gets called the sins of omission. That is, the sin of not doing what clearly should be something that a person who is a follower of Jesus And has received the Holy Spirit should be doing. To not do these things is to act against the prompting or guiding of the Spirit and to be led instead by our earthly self. If Jesus walked into church in the middle of a sermon everything would stop. Everyone's plans, their schedules, their appointments, they just wouldn't matter anymore. People would drop everything. And if he needed anything at all, you can imagine how quickly people would scramble to help him. Jesus tells us to help those who need him the way we'd help him if he were here. And Jesus very clearly identifies himself with the needy in the world. And all we need to do to miss out on God's grace is to ignore him. I'm sure you've heard the saying, All that needs to happen for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. And in this passage, Jesus points at the doing nothing. Right at the start of this chapter in Matthew, Jesus teaches through the parable of the ten virgins about the consequences of not being ready when they came without oil. And in the parable of the bags of gold, the unfaithful servant is rejected for doing nothing. What Jesus teaches here is that the Gospel has real social implications. Certainly not everything that is done in the name of social action serves the Gospel. But we cannot but see that the good news must work its way out through the activity of those who know Jesus as Lord and Saviour into the lives of those in the world who are in difficult and desperate circumstances. The story of the Good Samaritan is a perfect example of this. The reality of poverty, hunger and social need in large areas of the world today cannot be denied and should not be ignored. And these realities should call and cause the church to action, not in order to get into the kingdom but because it is what Jesus would do. Social action is an authentic witness to the gospel. It is a message of love and a message of hope. And any attempt to rethink the church must include examining whether we are properly engaged in social action. I think that a lot of people, a lot of Christians, probably spend quite a lot of time worrying about whether there's something that they might have done, something which might somehow stop them getting into the kingdom, getting into heaven. And I've talked to quite a few non-Christians who say things like, well, you have no idea what I've done. God would never let me into heaven. What if the real obstacle to getting into the kingdom wasn't what you had done, but what you hadn't done?